Thank you, Lord. We're so glad to be in the house of the Lord today. And today's lesson is called Feeding a City with a Sack Lunch. We, wow. <laughs> that sounds impossible, right? <laughs> oh, with God, we're so thankful that nothing is impossible with him. So thankful. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. Anoint your servant today. Bless the ears, the hearts, the minds of every saint today, Lord, that is here in this house and that is not here in this house. Bless them, Lord. Keep your heart open, Lord, to our, your word today. Lord, we give you glory and praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are in the final series of our daily devotional guide, um, going through God's holiness and ours, and then secondly, God is faithful. And now we are talking about the bread of life, the words and works and miracles of Jesus Christ. So we are winding down in our series for this booklet, which is amazing. I, I always, I just love the word. I love the word. Even when I share the scripture or the word of the day um, at the hospital, I, I always say, this is so good. <laughs> but then I tell them, I always say this is so good because it is so good. And I, I really do mean it. It's good. And even the scriptures that are just almost, um, you know what? They're all good. <laughs> They're just all good. Um, you know, so thankful. We're going to look at John chapter 6, verse 14. This is our key verse for today, and it says, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. Wow. I think there was a, not just a, well, a revelation, an illumination for sure, of who Jesus Christ really was. Their eyes were opened. There were things they saw probably like, wow, this is who we have been praying and hoping and wishing would come. And here he is. Um, one of the takeaways from today's lesson, I think probably the greatest takeaway is the act of compassion that the Lord had for the multitude that followed him. And so I'm not really going to hone in on that portion um, today, just the act of the Lord's compassion to the crowd that day, but how much he has, how much compassion he still has for his people in 2024. It hasn't diminished because he's the same yesterday, today, forever. We change every day a little bit. We're growing. We, our thoughts, our process, our life. God doesn't change. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. Um, and we cannot ever compare the Lord's depth of compassion to anyone. We may know someone right now and thinking, wow, that person was the most compassionate person I've ever met. The Lord, his compassion was even greater. We can't even compare it. It can't even be put on the same plane. It surpasses all compassion. And his ultimate display of compassion for us has got to be his death, burial, and resurrection that we might have a hope of eternity, a life, abundant life in Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that he 
our God provides for us our daily needs, whatever we need is provided for us out of his compassion for us. Um, and that compassion is coming from somewhere and that it's coming from that deep love, that huge love, that unconditional love that he has for us. Isn't that amazing and so beautiful? Um, I'm so thankful our, we are still pressing on in our family Bible study devotional. It went from uh, our Bible study. Now it's dinner and devotional. But I still don't think any less that it's a devotional because it's awesome. <laughs> and this last week I was like, I'm going to talk about love, of course, because it's coming up to Valentine's Day. But why not talk about the unconditional love of our Lord and Savior? Unconditional love that he has. It's, it's how the Lord loves us. Praise God. The world lies to us and tells us that we are unlovable, that we are unacceptable, that we are not good enough. But the word of God tells us that he is love. He loves us. And it, it's not that he is just love, and that sounds very flat, that he's just love. He is love. He is a very definition of love. Um, he loves us. He created us. You love, he would love what he created, right? Praise God. Um, as a Christian, it's a great principle, right, to worship God for who he is. And we sing songs for who you are. But it's not, and not just for what he does for us. Because of who he is. He's God. We can worship him because he is God. Um, the icebreaker today and I'll ask, um, what is your most memorable meal ever, and what made it memorable? Lottie, do you want to share with the group what you shared with me at home? Okay, and why spaghetti? They loved it. You loved it, right? So spaghetti is his most memorable meal. Now, you know what? He still loves spaghetti. Absolutely. It's one of those ladies, you know how fast and easy it is to put together? Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, the Rayos jar is fabulous. <laughs> Anyone else want to share? Yes. Oh. <laughs> what is that? You're waiting because you probably smelled it as it was being cooked. 
Anyone else want to share their most memorable meal ever? Yes, sis. I wouldn't know about that. Being <laughs> no, that sounds delicious. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Oh, like getting soaked by a fire. <laughs> you know, after you catch it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, sister. <laughs> Anyone else want to share their most memorable meal ever and why it was so memorable? These are great. Wow. Well, today we're going to talk about a very memorable meal. And 
Jesus had healed a man on the Sabbath, and we talked a little bit about that last Sunday, um, but a Jewish mob then wanted to kill him because he had healed somebody on the Sabbath. How sick, right? <laughs> Just think about people. Um, however, there were many that were persuaded by Jesus healing this, this person, and they, the multitudes followed him. They wanted, they had been around him, seen what he did. I know that they felt his spirit. They could, there's something about being around Jesus that you cannot, you just want to be around Jesus when you're around him. Like we are when we pray, when the Holy Ghost comes upon us. We just, it's like we want to be with the Lord, and it's like that. I'm sure that they just, part of the reason they followed him was because of the miracles they saw, no doubt. Um, then why today, why do we, we follow Jesus? Why do we follow Jesus? Uh, I would hope and pray that it is out of this greatest love that we have for our Lord and Savior, King, Creator, amazing. There is a kid's game that kids learn to play when they're little. It's called Follow the Leader. How many of you played Follow the Leader? <laughs> yeah, and it's a game where the leader is picked whose job is to lead the people around in areas of hopefully safety, right? Um, sometimes it's... That can be, yeah, questionable. The leader will set a good example so everyone can follow, and they do what she or he does. And the followers are the ones that follow. And in the game, the leader may lead them around a tree, over a brick wall, uh, down a hill, across a stream of water. The leader may touch the tree, whatever, scale a wall, and they follow, right? So as a follower, you would do exactly as the leader does. And the leader must be mindful, hopefully, uh, that the followers are following in every footstep. So take care, safety, trust, of course. We have the greatest leader that we could ever ask for, and that is Jesus Christ. And so thankful in the word of God uh, that we are, this is such a, a reading God's Word Church. <laughs> so thankful. Praise God for that. I've never been in a church where the majority of the church reads the whole Bible in a year, which is blessed. It's wonderful. I'm so thankful. Um, there's no better leader than we could ever ask for. He is the manifestation of the Godhead bodily in Jesus Christ. He knows, the scripture says, the number of hairs on your head right? I know, right. <laughs> he knows our every thought. Our spouses don't even know our every thought. He knows our every thought. He knows our every dream, our every desire. He knows because he's God. He designed you right down to your precious fingerprints. This is our God. This is a God we serve. He he created us carefully, and we are created to follow him. It sounds easy, right? Just follow him. Easy? Maybe not so easy when the enemy of our souls comes in with an ulterior motive to steal, kill, and destroy. What does he do? He keeps us distracted. He keeps us disconnected. 
And you know what? He keeps us, if he can, blinded to following Jesus Christ. And that's what he does. However, we can keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. And the scriptures really help us with that because it grounds us and it gives us a perspective of what we're living in today and what the word of God says. I, I love that. Keeping our eyes on him will help us from stumbling. We may trip, but God forbid, even if we do fall, we can get up and just keep our eyes on him. There is a song, of course, where he leads me, I will follow. And it says, I can hear my Savior calling. We have got to keep our ears tuned to his voice, his word calling us. After which the song goes on to say, I'll go with him, with him all the way. I want to go with him all the way. I, I just, I just want to go with him all the way. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My home is laid somewhere beyond the blue. And you know what? We're going to re be reunited with loved ones and friends, but greatest of all is Jesus Christ. We will be with him for eternity. And that is a, what we're, that's what we're living this life for. Praise God. So in the story, even before we get to the place in the scripture where the Lord feeds 5,000, we have a kind of a set, well, it is very sad. John the Baptist had been beheaded. And after his beheading, um, the Lord wanted to take just a little bit of a break and just go into a solitary place. And I don't blame him because think of, think of how close that relationship was. Also a cousin, what, five or six months apart, um, that, that kindred, that kinship. But this, um, and then after that, you know, we come to the story where we are today where the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus then again later feeds 4,000 as we go on in scripture. Um, and then he walks on water and calls Peter to walk on water also. This is just in the book of John. <laughs> there's so many. And this is, there's so many things that happen in this book. The miracles, the signs, the wonders. But what it does for me and for us, I hope, is it reminds us never to think that what we can do for Jesus Christ is too small or too unimportant because it is not. It's not too small. It's not too unimportant. And it is appreciated and loved by the Lord. Amen. Acts of small acts of kindness. Small acts of kindness can amount to great things. Because in the Lord's economy, think about it, it's so much different than our economy. We think a certain way. We think if we do or give or go this amount, we, we expect almost like a blessing or return. You know what? In God's economy, it's so much different than what we could ever imagine or expect. And I love it when God surprises us in a beautiful way that we never, ever thought could happen. We thought, no, okay, I'm going to use my faith. But could that really happen? Yes, that can really happen. That's where we activate that, our faith. 
and I found this, I li- of course, I've always liked Reader's Digest <laughs> because um, my grandparents grew up on this island. I Well, they didn't. I visited them. They lived on it for 40 years. They kept all these National Geographics, Reader's Digest, and I would read them and look at them and love the stories and be inspired. And this is before Christ, B.C. I'm like, wow. But the stories still inspire me. And this is just a short story of how someone was showing compassion. And it was a six-year-old boy showing compassion in this story. And it's called A Christmas Story. In January of 2006, a fire destroyed a family's home. In that fire were all the belongings of a six-year-old boy. Okay, this is January. So including all of the Christmas presents. Gone. A classmate from his school who had a birthday around then asked his parents if he could give all his gifts to the boy. Think of how generous. And then this person said, that act of kindness will forever warm my heart because the boy was my grandson. I mean, seriously, you want that for your church family. You want that for your family. You want that for our community, that just the acts of kindness and compassion and generosity. It's beautiful. And the Lord, his compassion was exemplified throughout his whole entire ministry, his whole life. Remember Lazarus. Yes. He showed such great compassion at his grave of Lazarus. He saw his friends weeping, and the Bible says he wept along with them. What compassion. After Jesus had heard about John's beheading, he traveled with his disciples to a solitary place, the Bible says, and they were followed by a great multitude. You know, his grief was deep, um, excruciating, and very real. Even in his own suffering, get this, you guys, even in the Lord's own suffering at the loss of Lazarus, or the loss of John the Baptist, sorry, he had compassion on the crowd. It wasn't all about himself. He was selfless. It was about everybody else. How can I help? So in today's Bible study, we find him feeding that large crowd, and You know, the disciples pretty much said, um, it's impossible, Um, it's impossible. Which, with looking at the natural eye, you've done banquets and feasts of many hundreds. When you're looking at thousands, I don't even have, I thought, oh, I should bring bread today. (laughs) Just a, a visual. The boy that was in that crowd had five small loaves and two small fish, right? Jesus takes a gift that the boy freely gives, which I think is a miracle. (laughs) A little boy giving his lunch up to feed 5,000 men. And we can say, probably safely say, the Bible says men, there were probably women and children that weren't numbered in that group, but he fed that crowd. Um, He showed his compassion to the crowd by meeting a need that they had. The need was hunger. <laughs> the need was hunger. He was sad when people were sick. He healed them. He 
when people were worried, he calmed the storm. When they were hungry, he fed them. It just seems so simple. <laughs> but that's the compassion of our Lord. When you look at the definition of compassion, it is means to want to help someone who is hurting or in distress. That's one definition. So when Jesus saw that crowd was hungry, he didn't just feel bad for them. He took action to help them. And he received that humble gift given by the boy and miraculously turned those small loaves and fish into enough food to feed everybody, not just feed them. It wasn't like they got a taste of it. It said they were filled. Imagine men <laughs> then being filled. That's a lot. I mean, think of, you know, that's a lot of food. Um, God, he will bless our acts of compassion. Even when we think that they are so insignificant, how could this possibly make a difference? Right? Wow. We can trust God that he will use our gifts, our resources. When we offer it to him, he has a purpose, and we can trust him for our cares, our needs. And so much of our cares and our needs are not just food and water. We need a spiritual. We need an emotional. We need that physical. And we have all of these needs in this lifetime. And we think, wow, there's so many. My God is greater. He is able. He's able to take care of us. That boy with the lunch, he saw the fish and the loaves that we, he had once had in this little bag or basket multiplied to feed this great multitude of people. And it was all by the hands of the Lord. The small lunch became this great feast. You know what? I... It was a huge act of faith on this boy's part because he could have just given it up and never ate again till whenever because, you know, who knows when, how long it took him to walk there, how long to get home. That was a great act of faith for him. Why was it so wonderful? Our Lord is a God of multiplication. That's what he does. If we look in scripture, we do our, we doing our Bible reading and we're reading these wonderful stories of how um, the destitute widow, widow who asked Elijah to give, and Elijah asked her to give him a piece of bread. And she invited him into her home where she uses the last bit of her flour, of her oil, to bake him something to eat. The prophet then blesses her and her child and assures them that their supply of flour and oil will never be diminished. Wow. I mean, then we go on into what about the widow with the olive oil? The widow came to the prophet, Elisha. She was in fear. Like, she was so afraid because the creditors had threatened to take her two sons as slaves to pay the debt that her husband and she owed. Then it would have been her husband. But Elisha asked her, what, what do you have in your house? She's like, Nothing except a jar of olive oil. Wow. That doesn't sound like very much, people. <laughs> I mean, and then he said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Elisha provided a miracle of oil so that the widow would pay off her loan. She would not lose her children. 
and there would be enough oil to pay and live on, on the surplus. You know, he cares for us. He really cares for us. Praise God. Our Lord is asking us today, Sunday, I want to say February the 11th, (laughs) 2024, I can't believe it, right? He wants the same faith from us today. He wants that huge faith in him. Man, he's just kind of waiting like, oh man, if they would have the faith, just, just muster up the faith to believe that I actually can do this, what I could do for them. Just imagine. And so because just as he was able to do the miracle of feeding the 5,000, he is so able to meet our needs. We have needs. We have needs. And he's able to meet them. Like I said, physical, emotional, spiritual. He can meet all of our needs. And the question we ask, I would ask the little devotional today, ask, it says, why do we worry so much when we know Jesus is able to meet our needs. We could just put our head down and say, Lord, (laughs) help our unbelief. You know, help our unbelief. Why do we worry? And then you, yeah. Worry can be defined as a sense of uneasiness or anxiety about the future. Who holds our future? He holds our future. We sing the songs. We get elated, a jubilation of, yes, he holds a future. Then we should not worry. Because if we give it to him, cast all of our cares upon him. He cares for us. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, going in our story still. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is a sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him. Because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Wow. Our Lord multiplied that boy's lunch on a hillside with thousands in attendance. What would you have thought if you were in the crowd that day? Jesus took the bread, you know, took the bread and blessed it and the the fish for such a massive group of people. Wow. The boy, thank God, was willing to give up his lunch. And I have always, always appreciated, I I know it doesn't say, but the person who made the boy's lunch, my guess is is that it it was his mama. Uh, Maybe it was his brother or sister. Maybe it was his dad. Maybe it was his grandma or grandpa. Somebody made that boy's lunch. And we get to think, oh, man, I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. You know what? Doing the same thing over and over and providing for your family and just doing is God's will. And you know what? It's so amazing. God uses and he blesses. He multiplies and he makes it wonderful. And then the goosebumps. (laughs) It's so good. John 6, 4 through 7 says, And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, and he saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said to prove him, for he himself knew that what he would do. Philip answered him and said this, which is so interesting. 
200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little even. So fun fact, I was like, well, how much is 200 penny worth, right? And looking at it, it says that 200 penny worth would have been equivalent to about seven months wages. I mean, that's crazy. Just nobody could have forked up that much money. And then if you could have, where do you go buy it? Like at one little uh, fruit stand or bread? You couldn't feed that many people. Um, and the, t the Passover is typically associated with feasting, celebrating. And the people that had followed Jesus was really a, pop a testimony to his popularity. Um, you know, even if they couldn't find a place to purchase food, um, recognizing that 200 penny worth was not even enough to buy something for everyone just to have a little taste of, let alone be filled. Because the Bible says that they were not only filled after they ate, but they picked up 12 baskets full of fragments of bread and leftovers, basically. Wow, they, they had so much left over after everyone had been filled. John chapter 6, verse 8, it says, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. You know what? In our lives, in our Christian lives, we're going to have some naysayers. We're going to have some that are not as activated in faith as you may be just love them just love them <laughs> just bless them Let, never underestimate the faith of it was a boy who gave up his lunch and i think never underestimate the faith of our children no doubt this boy had heard of jesus that's why he followed that day if he had heard, he'd maybe seen some of the miracles that Jesus had performed. I just want to think that he wanted to be around the goodness of the Lord, the presence of the Lord. He felt something. How loving, how kind, how great is this Jesus? And the eyes of this boy, he followed. Boys could do anything. Like we made forts and kicked rocks and rode bikes and, you know, follow this, you know, listening. That's it. To me, that's amazing. This boy desired to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. Well, the Lord, we know what happened. But the contrast to the small amount of food and the large amount of people can really, we can look at it today through greater faith filled eyes. Boing, our eyes open a little bit, like, wow. It's really, it was amazing. I mean, a miracle beyond miracles. But he takes this little and multiplies it. And I know today he takes things in our lives that we offer to him, our gifts, our resources, and he multiplies those. When we give them to him, he multiplies it beyond what we could ever imagine. And that's so special, giving to the kingdom of God. And I know you found this to be true um, because this is a very giving church. Thank you, Lord. And he took the loaves, gave thanks, and he distributed them to the disciples. And we know the rest of the story. Nothing was left. Nothing was lost. They gathered the 12 baskets of fragments left over above and beyond what everyone had already had to eat. Yeah. Yeah. 
it seems like an impossible task, doesn't it? Just a little sack lunch. In our normal minds, that would be like, but we put on our spiritual thinking cap. That's amazing. Just, it's amazing. So there's that song we sing in the kids' Sunday school. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing that he cannot do. We could sing that in the adult Sunday school class. <laughs> Why not? Because our God is so big. He, he has broad shoulders. You think, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I could give this. I mean, it's so big. I, I don't know what can be done. My God is so big. He has broad shoulders. And he can handle. He can handle it. Um, praise God. He saw the crowds of people. And his heart went out to them. The Greek word for compassion used in this text means having a heart moved with compassion. Yeah. When people need compassion, they need our love. They need our unconditional love. Isn't that what the Lord gave us? You know, it's really easy in our human nature to kind of get grumpy and mad when people are just being grumpy and mad and they're not where you think they should be, right? You know what I mean? Love them unconditionally. That's how the Lord loves you. And you know what? You will encourage and inspire them, and you will break through spiritual barriers with unconditional love that you could never do by saying a single word. Love, unconditional love. And that's what he did that day with the compassion I was listening to Christian radio on my way to work this week, and when I hear something awesome, I take my phone, I go, make a note. <laughs> so you know that I'm, not, I'm still driving. But it said this, it said, our home is a laboratory for grace and compassion. Wow. Okay, or a laboratory. Sorry, that was my Canadian coming out. <laughs> out. <laughs> our home is is a laboratory for grace and compassion. Just like our Lord was filled with compassion, we too must have compassion that for those that are around us. You know, and I always say, it starts at home, folks. <laughs> it starts right in our home. And um, I'm always thankful that the Holy Ghost will speak to us to help others that are in need, that are suffering and hurting, and... You know, it doesn't take a lot. It really doesn't. Um, I'll just give an example. This past week, I walked by somebody. They were crying. And I could tell that they were patting their eyes and they're crying. And they were one of the, it wasn't, it wasn't a patient. It wasn't a resident. It wasn't. And I walked. I said, hey, how are you? Are you doing okay today? And of course, oh, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And they know I'm a chaplain. So I'll be fine. I'm all fine. And I started walking away, and I took about six steps, and the Lord quickened me. And I was like, no, I can't leave this. <laughs> no, you can't just leave someone like that. I just, if there's something I can do, I want to help. So I went back. I said, hey, I just got to check in my spirit. I want to, I just want to touch base with you for a minute. And you know what? I tell you what, that's all it takes. And you don't even have to hardly say anything else. What, what they say next almost heals themselves if you know what I'm saying. It's just amazing how God just uses you where you are at at the right time. And <clears throat> when Jesus saw those crowds of people not eating for so long, his heart went out to them. I know it's a basic need, but 
hunger can motivate you to do things like amazing things. <laughs> hunger or thirst, right? And that's why the Lord talks so much about feeding the sheep, you know, being hungry for the things of God. Um, we need to pray the prayer that would say, Lord, that we would be filled with compassion. When we see the lost around us, those that are hurting, um, let our hearts break for what breaks your heart. Wow, that's a hard prayer to pray. Remember, the harvest is plenty, plentiful and the laborers are few. And we are those laborers, church. We are. Um, give us the strength to keep up the good work until we see him one day. Um, he didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. And as we close t- down and I go down to my flip pages, I, remi- I was reminded, studying for this lesson, of a song that Janet Pascal wrote in 1985. Some of you may remember. Move me with compassion. Basically talked about this story. It just says the crowd was tired and weary, lost and scattered everywhere. To the master, they were just like sheep without a shepherd's care. He felt of their infirmity so much that it made him weep. His heart was filled with pity and compassion for his sheep. And the chorus was, Lord, please move me with compassion for the lost, I pray. For the millions who are lost and cannot find their way. Melt my calloused heart with love, no matter what the cost. Lord, please move me with compassion for the lost. He not only has compassion for the lost, he has compassion for those of us that are saved, blood-washed, holy, blood holy ghost-filled. We are taught to love our neighbor as ourself. One of the commandments, this act of loving our neighbor will per- prompt us to share Jesus Christ with them. And we are called to treat others as we would wish to be treated ourselves. That's the power of unconditional love. It will melt barriers in the spirit that words could never. It's love, that unconditional love that he showed us. And um, you know what? Praise God for that. Pray, we pray for those that, that do transgress against us, that we can show unconditional love. That's hard to do, folks, but I know we can do it through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, God bless you as we come into our time of morning worship and praise. God bless you this week. Amen.